Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and this is the Bengals Booth Podcast. The no retreat, baby, no surrender edition. As the Bengals keep striving for their first win of the year and hope to get it this Sunday in Oakland against the 5-4 and four Raiders. Coming up, I'll be joined by my broadcast partner Dave Lapham as we discuss the latest Bengals news, including this week's shocker, the release of veteran linebacker Preston Brown less than one year into a three-year free agent contract. Speaking of linebackers, we'll hear from Raiders coach John Gruden, who provides a passionate defense of former Bengal Vontez Burfecht, who was suspended for the final 12 games of the season back in September for a helmet-to-helmet hit on Colts tight end Jack Doyle. My locker room conversation this week is with kick returner Brandon Wilson, who admits he has started thinking about the possibility of going to the Pro Bowl thanks to his league-leading kickoff return average. And in this week's Know the Foe segment, we'll get the lowdown on the Raiders from their radio analyst, former three-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman, Lincoln Kennedy. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since the TV screen at the gas pump. So there I am at UDF the other day, filling up my tank on a frigid morning when a news and weather update starts playing on the TV screen right there on the pump, along with several ads for the delicious coffee and donuts if I walk inside. I didn't, this time, but the simple fact that somebody figured out how to get a local TV news update into a gas pump deserves some recognition. Now let's get to the latest Bengals news with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Zach Taylor has not been publicly critical of the players this year, but I thought that changed a bit on Monday when he called out the linebackers in his opening statement at a weekly news conference. The next day, the Bengals waived Preston Brown in the first year of a three-year deal. What's your reaction? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, what uh, Zach was calling for was someone to emerge as a leader, you know, at, at that position group. And then the very next day, uh, they wave a guy who probably had as much NFL experience at linebacker as anybody they had, you know, on the football team. So, I mean, you can guess and surmise anything I guess you want to out of that. Bottom line is, uh, I think Zach Taylor's just trying to get a better performance out of that position group. That position group has struggled. There's no question about it. And and it's been isolated and picked on and, and attacked. So, I, I think... He's using every measure he can think of uh, as a motivational tool to try to get better performance and um, and, and shaking it up is, is by waving a guy like Preston Brown sends a message, you know. And I, obviously with what he said uh, at his press conference yesterday and, and what took place today, this morning, that's, that's a big statement, a big statement at that position group for sure. The Bengals historically have not, like to eat contracts no so you wonder um you know what was Preston Brown's reaction about um maybe his playing time being curtailed um maybe Zach's comment the press conference maybe Zach's comment came after some kind of comment from Preston Brown who knows I mean I guess again you can speculate and surmise all you want bottom line is Bengals let Preston Brown go 
For a decade or so, the Bengals have always had a big thumper at linebacker. Ray Malaluga, Vontez Perfect, Preston Brown. Do they need to reconsider what they look for at that position? You know, er everything's cyclical. And, um, you know, now so many teams are, are spreading you out. Um, but then you have a team like the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> that, that play the type of offense they play. So you feel like you, you know, you should have somebody that can you know, can stop the stop the run. Um, there's always going to be a, a an outlier like the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to go um, contrarian thinking in terms of being ahead of the game before the offense starts to cycle back a little bit. I mean, last year the Patriots decided to go two tight ends and a fullback and hammer people, um, you know, on their way to another Super Bowl win. So uh, the one thing that you can't you can't fall into the trap of though is is just have a thumper that you know can only play in a closet you know he still has to be able to do uh some other things for you because that 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 guy's going to get isolated and picked on there's no question about it in today's nfl so um the, the game is getting faster it has gotten faster so you do have to take that into consideration i mean uh, the linebackers aren't as big as they used to be and they're a lot faster than they used to be. So I think, you know, that's the, that's the way you have to approach it. That's what you have to look for. That's what everybody's looking for. And there's not enough of them. Just like there aren't enough offensive linemen for the NFL because there's five of them with every football team. Three linebackers, you know, it's, that's a significant number at a, at a position. Um, so it, it, there's, the NFL's eaten up a lot of numbers. Well, you know, it's, it's, for a while it was almost like they decided let's just beef up safeties and try to, you know, play them at linebacker. And, you know, that that's had some mixed results. So you're always looking for, you know, a linebacker that can, can play the run uh, but still is not limited so much athletically that you can't leave him on the football field after first down. Ryan Finley will make his second start this week. Evaluate his first. Some uh, tragedy, obviously. And you can't have it any worse than a – than a pick six when you're going in to score. You know, you're um, in the red zone and you throw a pick six. That's tough. You know, that's a very, very tough dynamic. You, you know, you you feel terrible about it. You feel terrible about letting your whole team down and all that that goes along with it. And then compounded by, you know, spitting the, uh, spitting the bit a little bit with a fumble in the, uh, in the pocket, you know, ball security when you're a quarterback is going to be big. So he had two touchdowns in – two ways that you can turn the football over, and they both happened in the same game. So he's not going to face any more tragedy than he faced, and he seemed to rebound from it, which was a good sign. I was asking guys in the locker room after the game, did you see any deer in the headlights? Did you see anything like, oh, this is starting to look a little bit too big for me? And they were like, no, nothing like that, just the opposite. You know, he's a very competitive guy, and it seemed to, like, you know, even narrow his focus even more. And on the good side of it, um, as, we, as we expected, Don Wink Martindale – brought everything he brought the house so the exposure that ryan finley had uh to everything possibly that you can see in his very first start a lot of people were like boy you, you know you'd wish for a softer landing than that but the other side of it is he's had exposure to a bunch and he got through it and he handled it and he's going to learn from it and i think zach taylor's got running the money with his thought of you know don't make the same mistake twice but a lot of guys were saying, man, he, he, he had a big burden of responsibility of checking out of uh, plays, runs that weren't going to work against a lot of Wink, Wink Martindale's looks, protections he had to change, 
plays he had to change to in the passing game. He he had a lot on his plate, and he handled all that with flying colors. You know, the pick six was just an execution thing. He just left the ball inside. And, um, you know, if you're – they're running 11 men up at the line of scrimmage, zero coverage. you got to make sure if that ball is not caught by your receiver, nobody else is getting it. It's got to go out of bounds. And he left it inside and he paid for it. So lesson learned, you know, it's not the it's this the NFL. It's not college football. You might have been able to get away with that throw in college, but not at this level. Um, they're faster, and his arm's not a howitzer. You know, he has to he has to. I thought he waited a little too long to throw it. He, has to, he does throw with the anticipation and accuracy. He's shown that, and I think he's going to grow um, with that. But overall, from the mental part of it, the preparation for that week against Wink Martindale is as intense as he's going to have, and he passed the test. Um, so was it something that uh, you say, oh, my gosh, what a great beginning? No, but there are a lot of a lot of bricks to, you know, start to lay a foundation. Uh, in, in Paul Gunther, let's face it, he and Mike Zimmer, they basically took the double-A gap, putting the linebackers up on either side of the center and either bringing one of them or both of them or none of them and dropping them to coverage, and you can run – Probably 60% of your coverage is out of that double-A gap look still. So it presents a lot of problems for quarterbacks. Joe Flacco never figured it out. And I'm sure Ryan Finley will be closing his eyes in Oakland pregame, night before the game, um, with double-A gap dancing through his head and <laughs> <laughs> ways, to, ways to handle it because they're going to be bringing a lot of it, I'm sure. Um, so you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes from week one to week two and the best thing that can happen is they continue to run the ball effectively with Joe Mixon. That'll be Ryan Finley's best friend. And that's our, na- our next topic. <laughs> Two games ago in London, the Bengals ran for 104 yards against the Rams. Last week against Baltimore, the team ran for 157. That's 49 more than their next best game this year, and Joe Mixon ran for 114. The Bengals are the only team all year to run it well against the Ravens when... Brandon Williams has been on the field. Previous teams that succeeded in the ground game faced the Ravens when he was out. What was different last week? What allowed the Bengals to run it that well? Yeah, I think they made a, a nice adjustment um, during the bye week with the blocking scheme. Uh, they, they ran more, you know, what people call gap, where you'll, you'll block down, seal somebody, and pull people. You know, instead of inside-outside zone is, is like, two guys going laterally and double teaming a down lineman, somebody coming off to the linebacker level. It's just kind of like a horizontal push. You know, you're, you're trying to capture the line of scrimmage and push, push that up the football field. And then somebody have a cutoff block or even take them off their feet and have a lane, a cutback lane um, that, that can be utilized. That, hadn't, that wasn't working as well as, you know, the Bengals obviously hoped it was going to work. So they went to the more of the, uh, the gap power type game, blocking down and pulling people. And they made an adjustment, uh, double team in the three technique on the outside shoulder of the guard with the guard and the tackle and the center pulling around for the linebacker instead of, you know, the center and guard, uh, you know, d- double teaming and one of them rubbing off the linebacker. They're being very more, much more definitive in trying to move people and, and, and get, uh, get somebody up the football field. So uh, Joe Mixon read it out well, I thought, and made some very, uh, very good cuts and, and ran hard. He ran very hard the entire football game, and I think, um, you know, he he basically realized uh, that that they were getting a lot better push 
up front or the execution was a lot more sound he wasn't having people leaking into his backfield we'd have to make his first cut so uh, you could see his confidence uh you know start to increase and the confidence of the guys up front increase as well so hopefully you know everybody's prideful in their job uh, I, know, I know they'll take pride in in a little bit of improvement and, and look to even take it even further against oakland the Bengals face the Raiders on Sunday under head coach John Gruden in the second year of that 10-year, $100 million contract. After going 4-12 and last year, the Raiders are 5-4 and this year despite playing five straight games away from home, four road games and a London game. Where have the Ra- Raiders improved this year? Uh, they've improved closing close games. They've won five. Their five wins are by a total of 27 points. So they've had six games decided by – a, t- a touchdown or less, they've won five of them. You know, that's that's what's going to happen for you. And, and the biggest reason is in the West Coast offense that John Gruden r- runs, you have to be able to run the football. And they've got a rookie out of Alabama, Jacobs, who's running the football well behind a behemoth offensive line. they got a pair of offensive tackles, six foot eight. One of them, six eight two three eighty. Six foot eight, 380 pounds. My goodness. Jacobs. 811 yards rushing, sixth best in the league, seven rushing touchdowns, sixth best in the league. Got to have a running game to operate out of that for that West Coast offense. And you have to have a tight end. And they found a tight end. Uh, this young kid, Waller, who's been um, clean for two years now, had a drug issue that he's cleaned himself up from. You got to respect the kid. 51 catches, 588 yards, three touchdowns. It's a very tight end, friendly offense, West Coast offense. Carr is playing at a very high level, completing over 70% of his passes. And that's the West Coast offense, you know, um, throws that you are, can anticipate and throw with accuracy and, and, and attack every quarter in the football field. They're playing very good offense and playing good enough defense under Paul Gunther to win some close games. Did you say 6'8", 380? 6'8", 380, depending on what he has for pregame meal. Sunday will mark the last time the Bengals will play at Oakland, Alameda County Coliseum, the so-called black hole. You played there four times, including a playoff game in 75. What stands out about the black hole? A lot of things. You know, John Madden, um, Al Davis, great players, you know, a bunch of characters. I mean, the cast of characters. That, that place was the wildest place, I think, ever. And I was pretty good friends with Dave Casper, and he was t- he'd tell me stories our rookie year about what it was like playing there in Oakland. It's it's almost unbelievable stuff. I mean, you can't you can't comprehend it. But the biggest thing is those crazy fans. I mean, those people are nuts. The way they dress up, um, and I mean, <laughs> the vulgarity of the language. I, they, they don't. There's not two words in a sentence that doesn't have one of them being vulgar. I mean, it's just. I mean, they'll spit on you. They'll they'll do everything and anything to you. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost like you're, you're in the middle of Hell's Angels, um, you know, international meeting or something, the way they're all dressed. Looks like they just got off their bikes and, and, and they're ready to roll. Um, but they're, they're passionate and they were rabid fans. And, man, that was a huge home field advantage for the Raiders. And the other thing I remember is how long the grass was because Al Davis had big backs, Mark Van Egan, Marv Hubbard, not real speed. So he would grow – uh, and, you know, his, his Danny Abramowitz, people like that, Fred Bolitnikoff, I should say, they didn't run well. He let that grass grow because, you know, didn't affect their team speed. They didn't have it. He wanted to affect your team speed. Our boy from Syracuse, man, he didn't miss any trick. 
Al Davis, proud Syracuse grad. Normally, we wear Bengals gear to the stadium on Sunday. I, I might seek a one-game exemption just to not have those people get all over me. What do you think? I'll tell you, they are, they are something else, and, and uh, they, they, they will challenge you. They are challenging. Um, and, and I do remember we uh, won a game out there, and, and they literally started pounding on the buses. I mean, they were trying to tip our buses before we <laughs> rolled out of there to get to the airport. I'm like, are we going to be able to make it out of here or what? They, I mean, those, those folks, they're serious as a heart attack about their Raiders, man. The big story in the NFL on Friday morning was the shocking end to the Thursday night football game as Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett ripped the helmet off of Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph and then swung it hard at Rudolph's head. It was a violent act that is certain to lead to a lengthy suspension. The longest suspension for an on-field incident in NFL history was handed out earlier this year to former Bengals linebacker Vontez Perfect. He got 12 games for a helmet-to-helmet hit to Colts tight end Jack Doyle. In Burfecht's case, the league cited his history of violating unnecessary roughness rules. Despite his checkered past, the Raiders signed Vontez as a free agent in the offseason, and head coach John Gruden defended that move this week. He was a good addition. I mean, we have Lippincott here. He's a linebacker coach who coached him in Cincinnati, and Gunther was the coordinator, so I don't know how much more intelligence I could have. I'm not happy about what the league did to him. I'm not at all. I'm, a, I'm really appalled by it and ticked off by it. And... Um, but what can I do? You know, I, I got a lot of uh, respect for what Burfick did coming in here. He was elected team captain by every man on our team. He played very, very well. He had a helmet-to-helmet contact play, and he was thrown out of the league for 12 games, unprecedented in NFL history, and I'm not happy about it. Given the way that his tenure kind of wrapped up in Cincinnati, did you have any concerns about bringing him on the roster, and how, how much did you vet uh, everything that happened here before you brought him in? I don't want to vet any more than what I've already said. Um, you know, like I said, I have two coaches that coached him that, that have a lot more uh, contact with him than I had. And um, he came in here, did exactly what we asked him to do. And uh, what has happened to him is unprecedented in the history of football. And I hope someday we can get a chance to coach him again. Montez is 29 years old and has been suspended for a total of 22 games in his career for illegal hits or PED violations. Now time for this week's locker room conversation as I visit with one of the Bengals' most pleasant surprises this season. We're in the locker room with Brandon Wilson, the NFL leader in kickoff return average at 36 yards per return. Has leading the NFL in that category become a personal goal? You know, it's a blessing. I mean, the guys up front, they really really just do a good job. And, I mean, they just make it so easy for me to return the ball that far. So... I mean, just props up to them, honestly. You've been in that role before as the guy trying to block for somebody else. Is there anybody on that unit in particular that's just known as being great at crushing people in the blocking role on kick returns? I mean, Clayton, uh, shoot, Trayvon, you know, all those, really all those guys, they, they always make great blocks, honestly. So, I mean, they just, they just really do their job out there. We're talking to Brandon Wilson, the NFL leader in kickoff return average. You had the 92-yard touchdown return against Baltimore, but your average isn't the result of like one or two really long returns. You've had a big one in all four games where you've been the kick returner. You've had one of at least 49 yards in every game. 
How close have you been to multiple touchdowns? I mean, I know the Jackson. <laughs> I know the Jacksonville game. I almost had another one. I mean, as soon as I came out of the out of the scene, I was like, "Oh, I'm gone." But uh, guy, he kind of tripped me up, and you know, I had a I had a couple couple more that's that's been really close to just a few little steps or just almost there, really. People might have heard in the background, Braden Combs, assistant special teams coach, just said to me, are you driving the Pro Bowl bus or what? So I'll ask you the question. Have you started to wonder if you might be able to go to the Pro Bowl this year as a special teamer? Yeah, I kind of have. You know, I mean, it'll be it'll be good if I'm, if I'm able to do that. But at the same time, you know, it just shows you how good our, our kickoff return team is. And that's props to, the, you know, the guys, the guys up front just – making their blocks and just making it so easy for me to just read, read blocks and, you know, make cuts. What kickoff returners, present or former, do you admire? Devin Hester. He's the man. A, that's the man, yeah. He's one of the legends, and, you know, he's one of the greatest, honestly, in my opinion, kickoff returns. So on your kickoff return touchdown against the Ravens, you are timed at 22.03 miles an hour. You are one of three people in the NFL while carrying the ball to top 22 miles an hour this year. Do you know the other two? Um, Matt Breda and uh, I can't remember. The Cordero Patterson. Patterson. Yeah, Cordero Patterson. That's who I was thinking it was. Yep. So inquiring minds want to know if you can run 22 miles an hour, are you the fastest guy on this team? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I am. I know John Ross, he's, he's real fast. William Jackson's fast. So, I mean, it's, it's somewhere between us, honestly. That's a pretty good top three. A couple more questions for Brandon Wilson. You've got six brothers and sisters. How excited are they by what you've done so far this year? Every time I do something special, they always, like, send something in, like, group message that we have. So they're always excited. All right, last question. You went to the University of Houston, but you're from Shreveport, Louisiana. Are the folks back home caught up in LSU fever? Yeah, some of them are. <laughs> I know my wife's family, they, they like LSU a lot, but my family, not much. They're big Houston fans because I went to Houston. so As they should be. I'm looking forward to calling another kickoff return touchdown, hopefully this week. Congratulations on your great season to date. Best of luck going forward. Thank you. That's Brandon Wilson. Brandon's current average of 36 yards per kick return would rank second best for a single season in NFL history if he keeps it up. The record is 41.1, set by Travis the Roadrunner Williams of the Green Bay Packers as a rookie back in 1967. That year, Williams returned a total of 18 kickoffs and took four back for touchdowns. Now time for this week's Know the Foe interview as we do a deep dive into the Bengals' upcoming opponent. After going 4-12 last year, the Raiders already have five wins this year. And if the season ended today, Oakland would be the sixth and final playoff team in the AFC. Former Pro Bowl offensive lineman Lincoln Kennedy calls Oakland games on the radio with the legendary Brent Musburger. And he joined Dave Lapham and me this week on the Bengals' game plan show, to discuss the much-improved Raiders. Drafting smart has been one part of it, uh, but more, more importantly, putting a scheme that's more conducive to the players that you have. Uh, when you take a look at the scheme this year, they put a lot of emphasis into Antonio Brown, 
or having him on his roster, and he wasn't a, he didn't come on the roster, so they had to make adjustments and change it. The receiving core has been a sort of a disarray with the injuries, but Josh Jacobs has been a positive. Um, I really do believe he's the offensive uh, rookie of the year. Uh, and, and more importantly, um, Derek Carr has been a lot more steady and consistent because the protection up front has really helped. Yeah, that protection up front, like you know all about that as a, as a former player, 12 quarterback sacks tied for third fewest in the league, um, but a sack per pass attempt, third best in the NFL, and the only team in the league that has shut teams out uh, without a sack, shut defenses out four games. The only team that's been able to do that four different times. So that offensive line is mammoth. I mean, it's, it's hard to get around that offensive line. And uh, it, has it been them? Has it been Carr? Has it been a combination? Well, you know, when it comes to pass pro and, and pass plays, it's everyone. Receivers getting open, offensive line doing the job, Derek Carr making the right reach. But, you know, Derek Carr has been in this offense, well, not in this offense, has been in the league for quite a few times. And there's been some times where he's taken some hellacious hits. Last year, I think he was sacked 59 times or something like that. 51 sacks, um, but, and so it kind of made him a little skittish. This time he's getting rid of the ball quickly. He's making proper reads, and he's, he's doing something with the ball rather than trying to hold on it and make a bigger play. We're visiting with Lincoln Kennedy talking about the Oakland Raiders. Let's talk about tight end Darren Waller. He's a guy that uh, overcomes some drug issues early in his career in, in 2016 and 2017. Right now he's playing about as well as any tight end in the NFL. Does he belong in the conversation as one of the best? Well, you know, without a doubt. I mean, I think he, when you look at last year, even though there was a whole lot of uh, wins, the production that Derek Carr had with Jared Cook was now in New Orleans. Shows you how much he likes the tight end position. And I'm sure you guys will agree with today's game. The slot receiver and the tight end are extremely important because there's so much space in the rules that allow them to get open. But all that being said, Darren Waller has done a great job of not only turning his life around, but also become a, a very popular player. Uh, not only you know, last game, San Diego, uh, not San Diego, the Chargers played against uh, the Raiders. Uh, they doubled him. They doubled him a lot. And the same thing was said before with Detroit. So they're trying to take him out of the game plan, but that just frees up other people. Paul Gunther, uh, everybody here in Cincinnati is obviously very familiar with Paul Gunther's name and, and his brand of defensive play. His side, his, his group, I mean, they're young. They, he's got some injury issues he's battling with. You know, the numbers don't look, uh, you know, spectacular by any stretch at this point. But when you throw tape on, man, they play hard. I mean, they, they run around the field. And they, they get after it. They're giving effort out there. I totally agree. That was one of the things that stood out to me about the team. When people ask me what is this team's identity, I say it's never say die. They're never going to give up. There are a lot of young players out there. There's a lot of contribution from the defensive line. The linebacking core has been a little bit of upheaval because of injuries and suspensions. But Tahir Whitehead is doing a pretty, fairly decent job at that middle linebacker spot. And the secondary has been in kind of complete disarray with injuries all around and in trades. You know, a couple of weeks ago they traded Gary and Conley to the Houston Texans. That kind of left a little bit of hole, but they have a lot, lot of uh, – a lot of upside to guys like Trayvon Mullen and Keyshawn Nixon that they're looking forward to. So there have been a number of players that have stepped in and done a fairly decent job. But make no mistake about it, guys, this is a team that's going to have to score. The Raiders are a team that's going to have to score at least 28 to 31 points a game in order to just be in the consideration of winning because their defense is going to give us some plays. We're talking to Raiders broadcaster Lincoln Kennedy. Barring a home playoff game or more than one home playoff game, there are three games left in the black hole before the Raiders move to Vegas. What's the atmosphere like right now at a Raiders home game? 
it's really a frenzy and a raucous atmosphere because a lot of people in Oakland, a lot of the Raider Nation, are really happy that the Raiders are doing you know fairly well. I don't think a lot of people gave the Raiders credit. I think the over and under out of Vegas coming into the season was like six games. Well, they're on the doorstep of that. And I came into the season saying, look, I think the Raiders are an average team. They should finish around 8-8. Eight and eight. And if they get that eighth win and they still have some games to go, maybe, just maybe, they could finally find that ninth win and possibly challenge for a wild card. But that being said, I think people are starting to feel like that's a possibility that there might be another playoff game or that they, they can see. It probably won't be at home, but still, the, 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 you know, there's a chance because the Chiefs, I thought, were going to be stronger than where they are. And so there's a chance that the Raiders find a way that they can take one in Kansas City and maybe take a couple all along the division. They might be able to get past the Chiefs and maybe host a playoff game. Who knows? Man, you look at the quarterbacks that uh, you've gone up against the last four weeks. You go to Green Bay, you got to battle Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you go to Houston, Deshaun Watson, play them a three-point game. I mean, that was a hell of a football game. Uh, then you get uh, Stafford, you know, with Detroit yeah. and, uh, and Phillip Rivers with Chargers. I mean, you know, you split those games two and two. But, man, that's a, that's a hell of a run of quarterbacks that you had to go, uh, go face and came out, you know, pretty good. Well, that's the NFL. You know that. That's the NFL. There aren't many quarterbacks where you can just sit and look down your nose and like, well, you don't give them a chance. Uh, even some of the backup quarterbacks like what Teddy Bridgewater did in uh, New Orleans, uh, it was a, a comparable deal. So the thing is, uh, um, the thing is, is that when you're playing up against these teams, like I said, the Raiders are happy that they're at a 5-4 and four record. Sure, there was a couple games that could have went either way, but they still have a lot of holes. They still have a lot of things they have to address. Uh, and, it, and it's also a battle of attrition at this point because everybody's beat up, everybody's injured. You can't take anybody for granted. I don't think the Raiders will, but, you know, that your the, the Cincinnati Bengals team coming in doesn't have a win yet, but you know, you'd hate to be the first one to give it to them. A few more questions for Raiders broadcaster Lincoln Kennedy. We spoke on the phone today with John Gruden, and he made a uh, impassioned or, or gave an impassioned defense of Vontez Perfect saying that it's a total injustice that he was suspended for the rest of the year. There's never been anything like this in NFL history for a helmet-to-helmet contact play. Do you agree? I do agree. And the fact that the, the fact that the official ruling was is that he was too rough, and that's why he's suspended for a year, is to me is an egregious error because it's ridiculous. I thought we were talking about football. But I guess that's, that's what we've become. And I'm, not, and I'm not just saying that because he plays for a team I cover. I'm saying that because I don't like how ticky-tack they are, how they claim that they're protecting players when they still, they still won't even let them play. They let certain things go, but then they call, they, they call other things to the, to the tee. And it just, it's never been consistent with me. Uh, it's, it's never been a good feel of me. I thought this was a contact game. I thought that these were men playing. But sometimes I think that they want, to, they want everybody to walk around and, and, and wear something else, I guess. Play a little patty cake out there, I guess, huh? Is what they're yeah, looking exactly. for. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Two hands too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, John Gruden, he is, uh, you know, every coach talks about establishing their culture. In your mind, what is John Gruden's culture? What, what do you think it, it, it's supposed to be, and how close is it to, uh, to being fulfilled, do you think? Well, he came in last year and pretty much cleaned the house, didn't he? He sure he did. Giving, you, know, you know, giving away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper and made it a bunch of, you know, other decisions about other players that have been drafted by Reggie McKenzie and his staff. I think that pretty much sends a staple of an identity. But more, but more so than that, guys, look at this. When you take into consideration how many rookies or first-year players on the starting roster of this team and how they've contributed to this 5-4 and four record, I think that's a testament in, in itself. 
You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Our thanks to Lincoln Kennedy, and that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have time, give it a rating or share a comment. Five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast. <laughs>